everybody, and welcome to the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, the sports director of Sports Talk Florida, and joining me, of course, the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson. Gentlemen, we are, you know, normally we talk about football, but I think, uh, Ira, in our pre-meeting, I think you brought up a very good point, and that is we are now in playoff baseball, and we would be remiss if we did not spend a little time asking about what the genius did last night. Uh, the manager of the Baltimore Orioles won Buck Showalter uh, in his play-in game, for lack of a better way of putting it, uh, as the wild card teams met in uh, across the border in Toronto at the Rogers Center. It was Toronto against Baltimore in one game, and I think we all know how it ended, but, you know... Uh, Ira, why don't you pick it up from there? All right, Joe, uh, it is open season on Buck Showalter. Uh, everybody and their brother is weighing in, saying he's a clown. He doesn't know how to use his bullpen. Uh, I am going to take an, inv- uh, an awesome uh, journey here and try to defend him to a certain extent. Uh, should he have brought Britain in with first and third and one out. Answer, yes. However, the criticism of Showalter is so blanket that people are screaming, why didn't Britain pitch the ninth? Why didn't he pitch the tenth? You, you can't have it both ways, guys. I understand what Showalter was doing. Obscured, gentlemen, in this haze about Showalter is the fact that the Baltimore Orioles who have a very good hitting team, I don't believe how to hit for the last five in the third inning. That's correct. Joe Walter was waiting for a lead. Now, he should have put him in with first and third and one out. I don't have a problem with that. He's a ground ball pitcher. But to suggest that he bring him in uh, in the ninth inning of a tie game, Joe, you've watched as much baseball as I have. Generally speaking, generally speaking, closers – do not fare nearly as well when they're in a non-safe situation. And I'm not faulting Showalter one bit for not using Britain in, in the 8th, the ninth, uh, and, and the 10th, and even to start the 11th uh, in, until they got in trouble. That's the way I feel. Well, I completely agree. Um, here's, here's what I'm, I'm thinking as, I'm, as this whole thing unfolds. Okay, everybody's killing him. Uh, for not bringing Britain in, you bring in Jimenez, you know, uh, we saw how that worked out. But let's let's go to another hypothetical. Let's just say that he had brought Britain in at the start of the inning, and I agree with your point that closers need to be in at the start of an inning. It, it's a very difficult uh, situation to bring them in, uh, in a, like would have been last night in a first and third and so let's just say that that he he uses his closer, and then in the top of the twelfth, uh, the Orioles take a one-run lead. And now what's he got? He doesn't have his closer. He doesn't have Mr. Lights Out at that point. And so then, let's just say then the the Blue Jays rally in our hypothetical to win in that situation. Now he's going to get killed because he burned his closer. You know, the, that's the thing about postseason. Every move is like Armageddon. And people 
who probably haven't watched five Orioles games maybe in two years, let alone this year, all of a sudden are experts on how Buck Showalter should use his bullpen. You know what? He can manage my team anytime. He is one terrific manager. He made a decision that didn't work out. You know, that's the way it goes. That's baseball. Jim, the, uh, Jim, the Orioles lost that game because they didn't hit. That's why they lost that well, game. They, you know, they didn't – exactly. I mean, they didn't win that, they didn't win that game because they're not built to – to you know, to manufacture runs. I mean, that's just not the way they they play baseball. And and frankly, you know, to your point, Ira, uh, pretty much everything Buck had done up until that point had worked. I mean, every change he had made, every move he had had uh, uh, done throughout that entire ball game went well. It was, um, I think, the where. In Baltimore, where he's very well thought of, the only criticism that seems to come down is that uh, that he didn't bring in Dylan Bundy, who has actually uh, come out of the bullpen. He's also started, but Bundy's come out of the bullpen uh, throughout the year and actually had some pretty good success coming out of the bullpen and, and, and it not being an uncomfortable thing for him. So, but again... All that being said, he's not being filleted in Baltimore. Uh, I do have a question for both you guys. And we don't know yet because we don't know if the Giants, you know, are going to make it to uh, uh, to get to play the Chicago Cubs. But I, I, I can't wait. I'm rooting for the Giants because I want to see how much of a genius – Joe Madden is when he's facing a guy who truly is a genius when it comes to baseball and playoff baseball and Bruce Bochy. Uh, I'm rooting for that matchup because I want to see how good, and I'm, this is not, I'm not disparaging, you know, Joe Madden. I'm just saying all year long, everybody's, you know, giving him that uh, moniker. And I'm wondering if he's going to be able, if, if Bochy can get in there, if he'll earn it. I'm rooting for the Giants well, too, Joe, because uh, because I've been a Giants fan since the mid-60s. <laughs> uh, but having said that, Joe, if the Giants do advance, uh, you know, the Cubs will be favored, maybe heavily favored, and they should be. Um, but as Jim suggests, uh, the postseason's a different animal, Joe, and uh, Bochy has been masterful uh, in, in the postseason. Doesn't quite have the horses in the bullpen that Giant fans are used to. It was a big, big problem going down the stretch. But, Joe, the Giants are the team that uh, no, nobody wants to see in October. Well, tell me about it. Uh, my <laughs> Cincinnati Reds ran into them a few years ago, and it did not end well. Um, having said that, um, the question was, how would, would Joe Madden match up against Bruce Bochy? And – you know, tip the cap to Bochy. He, we know what he's done. Uh, it looked like the wheels were totally coming off uh, your Giants, Ira, but uh, here they are. So, uh, if they survive and advance against the Cubs, um, I fully expect a, a highly competitive series. For what it's worth, um, I think they played seven head-to-head matchups this year, and the Cubs uh, won four of them. So I think that's right, Joe. I think mm-hmm. that's right. And, um, and, and, and a, they're all like one-run games. 
All, yeah, the last yeah. um, <clears throat> the last five games uh, that they played, and six of the seven were were uh, one run games, and the other was a two run game. So managing will be a big part of that. Um, but I think Joe Madden will acquit himself very well. Um, he's he seems the the biggest job for Joe Madden, I think, will be to keep the mania of Chicago fans and Cubs fans um, from uh, turning into just a flood for his team. Uh, other teams have wilted under expectations like that. And, you know, the, with the Cubs, it's one of those uh, special franchise, uh, you know, special, special franchises and, we all know how long it's been since they won a World Series, and we know all about the Cubs' curses and all that. And so that will be Joe Madden's task to diffuse all of that, which we got to admit is a lot different uh, than what he faced uh, when he was uh, putting the Rays in the playoff every year and in the World Series in, tw- in 2008. Um, this is this with the Cubs. This is a totally different. Uh, Totally different thing. I think he'll do just fine, though. Um, Joe Madden, to me right now, is the best manager in the game. Period. Paragraph. End of story. Very cool. You're listening to the Sunshine Boys podcast on sportstalkflorida.com and blog talk radio. Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson. Uh, gentlemen, let's skip over baseball for the moment after we got that two situations in had an opportunity to talk about some managers and also uh some people on the hot seat how about the nfl we um we have some teams in the state of florida who um again show some fight but not necessarily come out with the results i think uh i think one of the state coaches uh joe just uh, saved his job um we'll never know Joe, if Gus Bradley would have been would have been allowed to get back on the team plane uh, and cross the Atlantic with the rest of the Jaguars, but they did hold on, Joe, uh, against what has turned out to be a, a, a very ordinary Colts team. Joe, they're not very good, Indianapolis. Uh, there's a no. lot of unrest. There's a lot of unrest over there. There, there might be a regime change in, in Indy uh, after this season, but. Gus Bradley, Joe, was 12 and 39, 12 and 39 uh, going into that game. Um, They won a shootout, which the Jags are in all the time. Uh, This one they won. Uh, And as far as the Dolphins, those same old Tannehill questions, Joe, they don't go away. Uh, And as for our uh, beloved Bucks, Joseph, you watched it. I was there. Uh, Drab performance. Drab, and Jim, you're probably not following this uh, in, in in Maryland, but uh, Jameis Winston is getting the Buck Showalter treatment. Uh, people are killing him. Um, I think he's a convenient scapegoat, Joe, and 22 years old to boot. Uh, the Buck problems, Joseph, go far beyond that kid under center. Oh, jeez, uh, he. Right now, he's the least of their of their problems. Um, they uh, first off, who has he got to throw to? 
He has got Mike Evans and then pick your poison uh, because Adam Humphreys is a nice, earnest player, but he's, he's certainly not a difference maker. Uh, Vincent Jackson, uh, this is probably going to be his last year, uh, certainly with the Bucks, if not in the league. Uh, the tight end, uh, Cameron Brait, another one of those kind of earnest overachiever types. But you can't win if you have a an offense built around earnest overachiever types and you then lose your star running back that you gave a lot of money to in the offseason, uh, Doug Martin, uh, with a hamstring injury. Uh, Sims has, has now we know why he's a backup. He's not a he's not a an elite A level back, and I don't it, think anybody. Really, game is absolutely abysmal, Joe. It's it's awful. It's abysmal. Right? Awful. And so so Jameis, well, what a couple of games ago he threw fifty times uh, against the Rams. He can't. You know you can't win that way. You you just can't do it. And so Dirk Cutter's got his uh, work cut out for him if you'll if you'll forgive that because. I don't know how you how you patch this together. I really don't. Uh, I thought the Bucks would be better this year. I wasn't quite as optimistic maybe as uh, some of the folks around Tampa, but who were forecasting maybe an eight and eight season. Um, but now that I've you know I've, you, we've had four weeks, that's a quarter of the season, and they are looking an awful lot like a four or five win team uh, to me, and and that might be generous. And, Jim, the defense isn't very good. I mean, it uh, wasn't terrible against Denver, but that, that's a low bar. Uh, you know, they don't make the big stops. And, you know, when Winston does turn the ball over, and he has been, uh, Jim, that's no reason the team's got to score a touchdown from, from the 30. You know, mm-hmm. if you're holding from a field goal, that puts momentum on your side. Uh, right. That's a win. Uh, but the Bucks aren't doing that, Jim. They're one and three. Now, so is Carolina, which is a shocker, a bigger shocker. Um, and the biggest shock of all, gentlemen, the Falcons, who I said after week one were, were a bad football team and, and the look of a five-win football team. Yo, Matt, Matt Ryan's going crazy. He might be the best player in football through four weeks. Uh, Julio Jones is uh, you know, arguably the best receiver in football. Him and Antonio Brown, uh, you know, share that every week uh, on an alternate basis. Uh, Dan Quinn's getting the job done right now, Joseph. Well, yes, he is. But uh, you'll forgive me uh, for for this. Um, by the end of the season, I think the Falcons will be who we thought they were. Um, they remember they were they were all the rage at the start of last year too. And five and zero, and the wheels came off. So they're playing very well right now. Uh, that is, you know, that's not in dispute. Uh, Ryan and uh, Julio Jones last week. That was that was a, a thing of beauty. And one thing um, that that benefits the Falcons, I think, is the division in which they play because New Orleans can't stop anybody um you know as we saw last week carolina is is a mess right now frankly uh and at the end of the day i think they are going to look back on that opening game with the bucks 
a home division loss to a team that's frankly not very good, and and, and they're going to rue that one. Uh, that's that's one that got away from them. And uh, they'd won that, they might be on cruise control right now. But I want to give me a give me two or three more weeks before I anoint them as uh, the next big thing. And Jim, there's no reason to think the Dolphins, podcast the Dolphins are going to make any noise. Jim, there's no I'm reason s- to think the Dolphins are going to make make any noise. Brady's back. The Pats were three three and one without him, uh, as we thought they would be. Um, and you know, Brady's going to take care of business. They were flat last week, but Miami had their chance. Joe, week two, I believe, went up to Foxborough. Uh, no Brady, no Gronkowski. Chance to make a statement before Brady comes in, and they didn't show up, Joe. And like you said, the Falcons are going to look back at week one against the Bucks, and uh, I think the Dolphins are going to look back at that game and, and say that was a big missed opportunity, uh, Jim. You're listening to the Sunshine Boys podcast on sportstalkflorida.com and Blog Talk Radio. That was, of course, Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. Ira, Joe, uh, guys – what was uh, a couple of games that stuck out in your minds as the most entertaining and uh, uh, punctuation points, if you will, for this past week in professional football? Uh, hmm. Well, it, it, hurt, it hurts me to say this, Joe, but uh, Steelers did an absolute hatchet job uh, on my Chiefs. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh got stung the week before. They didn't show up in Philly, uh, and Carson Wentz looks like the real deal so far. Um, so they got slapped back into reality, and Joe knows Mike Tomlin like mm-hmm. I know Mike Tomlin, Jim. Uh, he's a tough guy, and mm-hmm. they were embarrassed. Uh, so I was a little concerned as a Chiefs fan that they were going to get Pittsburgh's best effort. And, Joe, the Chiefs are a good team, but they're not elite. They, their offense doesn't scare anybody. Um uh, and the Steelers did a smackdown on national television, uh, restored the pride of uh, Steeler Nation, Joe, and, and I think uh, slapped Andy Reid around enough to know that um, they're not good enough right now. You know, I read the term you used was ornery. You thought that the Steelers were going to be yes. ornery on, on yes. Sunday night. Well, there's there's a couple of games that got my attention uh, over the weekend. Uh, first off, the well, actually three. The Saints Chargers game, thirty five, thirty four. You got to love that. Uh, but the other one point game that really, to me, says watch out uh, was the Raiders going across the country and going into Baltimore against an unbeaten Ravens team. And uh, beating them 28 to 27. That's three road wins for the Raiders. Let's just let's let's tip a cap. And then um, and then finally, nobody's talking about them, but you better the 4-0 Minnesota Vikings. Um, Mike Zimmer has those cats playing some serious D up there, and it looks like uh, they're going to weather the, the loss of Teddy Bridgewater just fine. Uh, he's got a nice formula going that they don't beat themselves. Um, they're a load. And uh, right now I would, I would look at them as the team that's going to win that division over green Bay. I really do. They remind me, Joe, they remind me a little bit of last year's Broncos. Um, 
Because even though, you know, you look at Peyton, hey, Peyton Manning, you got a Hall of Famer. Well, Peyton Manning wasn't playing like a Hall of Famer, Joe. He was along for the ride. Correct. Um, Correct. And Minnesota's defense, Jim, they, they, they kind of look every bit as good as, as the Broncos. They got playmakers uh, on all levels. And as Joe said, they, they've come up with a winning formula. Uh, I believe they're plus 10, Joe, in turnover margin. Plus 10 in four mm-hmm. weeks. Um, that's winning football, Joseph, because year in and year out, Jim, the one thing that never changes, never, mm-hmm. the teams at the top of the turnover chart have winning records. The teams at the bottom uh, are, are out of the playoffs by November. They're done. I don't think there's any question. And when you look at um, you know, what's been going on with that, Ira, you said it even last week that you were impressed by, uh, you know, the um, the Minnesota Vikings, and we may be seeing the Purple People Leaders 2.0. You never know. Tell you what, guys, let's step aside. We'll pay some bills here on the Sunshine Boys podcast that you're listening to on Sports Talk Florida and Blog Talk Radio. And when we come back, uh, we'll talk college football. So we're going to step aside, come back, and talk college football right here on the Sunshine Boys podcast on sportstalkflorida.com. Welcome back to the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host, the sports director of sportstalkflorida.com. With me, the Sunshine Boys themselves, Joe Henderson, Ira Kaufman. We guys, uh, prior to the break, we had an opportunity to chat about a little bit of baseball, a little bit of the National Football League, and now... Hey, uh, hey, Jim, yeah, can I interrupt ahead. for one second? Of course. Uh, one, one quick topic. I mean, I, I mean, one minute. Uh, and I want to direct this to uh, our, our estimable uh, uh, man, Joe Henderson, over there. Uh, mm-hmm. Joe, Odell Beckham, uh, yakking, doing a lot of yakking, but he, he's not scoring any touchdowns, Joseph. He's not productive. So I'm going to ask you to go back in your Bengal vault to a guy named Chad Johnson, also had that diva label. Joe, what what is going on with these receivers from Des Bryant to Beckham to Chad Johnson to Terrell Owens? What what is going on with the nature of that position, Joe? You know, I think you got to have a little bit of showman in you uh, to be to be willing to do the things that these receivers have to do, and you uh, a lot of bravado. You've got to look a, uh, an elite cornerback in the eye and say, I'm going to beat you. You've, you've got to look uh, over the middle at a, at a safety who wants to take your head off and say, bring it. Uh, you can't allow yourself to show any weakness, any fear, uh, whatever. And so I think that's what's going on uh, with Beckham and all these guys. That was certainly Chad Johnson's game. Most of the time, he backed it up. Uh, there were times he did not. Now, where it, it gets destructive is when it, you know, uh, Des Bryant's been guilty of this, Chad Johnson certainly was, Beckham, is when they don't get the ball, um, they kind of lose sight that it's a team game. And, right. you know, right. that's, that, that's where you need to put the brakes on. But, you know, I, I think it's just the nature of the position. It's interesting. Um, you see some of the guys uh... – Mike Wallace in uh, Baltimore, uh, he is trying to find his um, his groove from a standpoint, but you can tell he's lost a step or two. 
and Steve uh, Smith Sr., again, uh, this is going to be his last year. And uh, some of these guys um, that are the level down after, you know, you guys just talked about the elite guys, they tend to be less, you know, there's less bravado uh, with them and more about, okay, let's see what we can do to help the team. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, as you say, the elite receivers are not necessarily as elite as they once were uh, because they become a little crazy. And um, uh, I don't know. If somebody's going to knock my head off, I probably would be a little crazy myself. So, you know, I, I can't uh, – <laughs> I can't uh, I can't call them out but too much. I am going to say one thing however, and that is I am probably only going to be right once in the entire season in both football and basketball on you know, either the college or the pro side. But I was right last week when I said that Clemson was going to upset Louisville. Yes, you were. Because of Death Valley. And that was about as entertaining a game as I've seen all year. And believe me, throughout that game, I've thought four times that I was not going to be a Nostradamus in this case. Um, <laughs> it was as entertaining a football game as I've seen in quite a while. And, uh, man, it was, a, it was a nail-biter all the way down to the end. Two very good football teams. Yeah, it's arguably oh, the game of the year so far. Uh, yep. Certainly. And... Uh, Clemson certainly uh, showed their playoff chops in that one. And now, uh, you know, Louisville is going to be the biggest fan for a a Florida State team that uh, the wheels uh, have not fallen off. Um, They they have imploded in Tallahassee. And, uh, you know, it, it this is. This uh, this could impact Jimbo Fisher's future um, with that school, believe it or not, because what's happening up in Tallahassee, nobody saw this coming. Uh, people thought this was a top five uh, team, a surefire playoff contender, and uh, they're already that that ship sailed a long time ago, and now hey, it's. It, it, no, I was just going to ask you, Joe. Any truth to the rumor that Les Miles is going to be taking Jimbo's place at uh, FSU? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I haven't heard that one. Uh, but, um, you know, they, this this is really uh, going to be a challenge going forward for him to hold this, this team together um, as uh, they've got a lot of football to play and they've got Clemson to play. Uh, and, you know, if, if Florida State could beat Clemson, uh, that probably won't help the Seminoles as far as getting into the playoffs, but it'll certainly uh, throw that um, the whole playoff picture uh, into chaos uh, as far as the ACC is concerned. It could help Miami so, uh, if Miami gets hot. Absolutely. Uh, Jim, I, I walked away from the uh, Clemson game. I, I didn't lose one bit of respect for Louisville that Mm-mm. night. No, um, not at all. I, I still think they're the most joke. They're the most entertaining team in the country, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think they're a heck of a team. And, and I think they're going to prove it uh, the rest of the season. Now, Joe's right. Moment of truth for Clemson, and uh, they got the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's nice to have uh, experienced quarterback, gentlemen. Nice to have it. 
uh, in crunch time. And um, I think they're going to prove that against Florida State. By the way, uh, the Noel schedule, I think we t- touched on it last week. Um, what a killer schedule mm-hmm. this was for Jimbo Fisher. Far from over. Uh, like Jim mentions, uh, they're going to UM. That's no picnic. Um, <laughs> so a tough year for Florida State, guys. Uh, but UM is moving steadily, and mm-hmm. I mean steadily. Up the rankings, I believe they're at 10. Uh, Joey, a win on Saturday, um, you know, all of a sudden uh, they're a top 17. Um, an experienced quarterback, Joe, the Hurricanes have it, and the Knolls don't. Yeah, and, and I'm going to be curious, speaking of Hurricane, I'm going to be curious to see what the weather situation uh how that right. if that impacts that uh, this game this weekend, but assuming uh, they play it, this is uh, Miami's chance to make a big statement. And um, you know, they, they, you guys know how I feel about Mark Richt. I think he's terrific. Um, that was a, that was a nice uh, win to go up to uh, Georgia Tech and and win by two touchdowns. Um, and so. You know, things things are seem to be falling into place for Miami for sure. What about the game this week for you know? I called it a gut check game when we chatted last time. Uh, as USF travels up to the beautiful Cincinnati to take on the Bearcats in their new building. Well, that was a great win uh, for USF uh, to just go in there. Mm-hmm. And, and utterly dominate uh, the Bearcats, um, mm-hmm. really pulled away from them uh, in the second half. Tommy Tuberville, the, the Bearcats coach, was uh, basically took the fall for it. But USF continues to score at will. And, um, you know, they have a, a very uh, plausible uh, path right now to winning their division and uh, a potential showdown with Houston for the AAC title. And what's the, uh, something interesting about that is um, I was reading something on uh, ESPN uh, on their website and they do a ranking, uh, a weekly ranking every week. It's probably more uh, clickbait than anything else, but I clicked uh, to see what the, uh, the top candidates for big 12 expansion are. And uh, right now they're they're having uh, Houston and South Florida go one two in that. So um, you know USF has a chance to to step out and uh, maybe join the big boy party. That was an impressive win, Jim. I mean, um, and as Joe points out, uh, there's a chance uh, USF uh, will run the table uh, during the regular season. Um, a very good bounce back effort. Um, and let's face it, they, they had a bad half against Florida State. It happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Florida State had a horrendous uh, first half against Ole Miss. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, you, nobody buried the Seminoles uh, uh, because of that. Uh, it happens. Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook can do that to you, guys. He can. Mm-hmm. Uh, USF's not going to face too many Dalvin Cooks, Joe, down the stretch. Uh, no, they're not. Many. Uh, 
And so they've got. I'm impressed with. I'm impressed with what Taggart's doing, Joe. Well, he's yeah, he's got it all together. They, they, people forget. Even the Florida State came in and and smacked them around uh, on defense. Uh, Dalvin Cook was was unbelievable. USF scored 35 points in that game, and mm-hmm. they they they're going to out just simply outscore a lot of teams. They did that to Cincinnati the other night. Bearcats didn't have the skilled people to keep up with these guys. They can run these receivers at you. Uh, Quentin Flowers uh, makes uh, his potential touchdown on every play, either with his legs or with his arm. And uh, if right now they look to me uh, like certainly the class of the division that they're in, um, looking over that uh, that AAC, uh, I, I don't really see anybody in there beating them. And uh, probably their toughest game will be at Temple, but um, should be able to handle that. And uh, then let's have a December showdown with what will probably be an undefeated Houston team. And that'll be a fun game to watch. It might wind up being uh, a basketball score, something like 60 to 59, but uh, it'll be, that'll be a fun one. And, and well, Jim, you know, Jim, Joe, who we go from uh, Henderson talking about the quick strike bulls who can score from any place on the field, Jim. Mm-hmm. And I know you're itching to get to the uh, the drab offense that defines uh, your Florida Gators, James. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, here, here, uh, we were having a nice talk, Ira, and then you had to go and ruin it. For yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was um, – I looked at – I really hadn't – paid much attention to the score because I was doing a number of other things over the weekend and I checked my phone and I saw the score you know it was like I don't know um, seven to six or something I forget what it was and it looks like a baseball score and it, and it stayed that way for a very long time and I think what was the final was 13 to seven 13 to six I think six 13 to yeah. six okay um, uh, what 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 a two week trek to tennis uh, to the state of Tennessee. Yeah, uh, not, not I, I don't think they can not get good. out of it. The, they probably you know took some Jim Beam with them on the way out. Because uh, <laughs> that was that's not uh, yeah that's definitely not the way you want to you know go for that. And um, no, they played uh, they played poorly. There's no question about it. And uh, uh, they you know they get the W, which is good. But uh, beyond that, man. There's not going to be an easy thing for them uh, in the SEC anyway for the rest of the way through, and that's going to so are you, challenge. Joe, so are you surprised sure. that the Gators have gone this this many years uh, w- without getting more uh, offensive playmakers, uh, Joe? And uh, it's still University of Florida. I mean, the Swamp, the Gainesville uh, kids in this state want want to play for UF and. Uh, Joe, can't can't they find a quarterback receiver combination um, that can match USF at this point? Well, that is a great question, Ira Kaufman, and um, I would say it is one of the more perplexing ones out there. And now, in fairness, you have to look back uh, at the Will Muschamp era and see that 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 was, you know charitably uh, a 
pretty dry stretch for the Gators and, and Muschamp being a, a, a defensive minded coach. And he, he, it seemed like he was changing offensive coordinators every year. So it's tough to get in a continuity. So, you know, Jim McElwain is reputed to be a quarterback uh, guru, if you will. Um, but that has not been in evidence so far. It's only halfway through his second year. Certainly uh, last year they had uh, their share of troubles at that position. Um, I, I, I wonder why they can't, they can't bring that that DNA back that that Steve Spurrier uh, branded that program with with the fun and gun, um, but they have not done it, and uh, there's there's no denying it. If they win, whatever games they win this year, they're going to win ugly. Uh, it's just the way it is. And if they, you know, <clears throat> it looks like uh, it's going to be difficult for them to get into the SEC uh, title game. Well, that loss to Tennessee will just – that'll never go away. And uh, so if, if, I'm, if I'm Jim McElwain, I, I find the, the top five quarterback prospects in the country, and I, uh, I camp on their doorstep because they got to do something. Uh, this, this has been a while now. Well, remember, McElwain's only had one recruiting class. I know. So – so that's that's um, it's kind of tough to judge him on that in in that. I think he's a I think he's a, a good coach, and I think he's uh, every bit as frustrated as Gator fans are uh, watching this team. But that doesn't change the the mission here, which is Mm-mm. you know you've got to get playmakers. And right. now, in fairness, when Steve Spurrier was running amok through the uh, SEC. That was pretty much um, a league that where the spread offense might have been the Zika virus. You know, they right. didn't. Uh, they, everybody was looking around, going, "What the heck is he doing? He's sending out five receivers on every wow, This is crazy." Uh, and then they saw it worked, and now you know, pretty much everybody does it. So you can't really scheme your way to victory anymore. You've got to have uh, you got to have the playmakers and the talent, and that's. That's the challenge going forward for the Gators. No question. Jim, they about might it. be catching up. They might be catching LSU at the wrong time. Yeah, you never want. Well, you know, as I said, the only thing they if if they get beat, that's okay. But if they get beat on a fake field goal again, I'm gonna just cry. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> Fournette Fournette did not play last week, and they no. ran for 400 yards. So, you know, uh, in the wake of uh, Les Miles' departure. Um, you know they rallied around uh, uh, an interim coach, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Tigers are not going to go down, Joe. They're not going to go down gently uh, this weekend. Oh, of course not. They never you know, have. You know, I mean, I Gators absolutely should expect their best effort, uh, and it'll it'll take the Gators' best effort to win. Um, there is there is nobody. Um, that Florida can look at right now in the SEC and figure they got a, they got an easy day. So that goes without saying. So, but you know they have to win that game. They they simply have to win that game. Mm-hmm. No question. That's it. And then they'll have Georgia, I think, the week of following. Correct. Uh, well, that's that's a little. 
Yeah, they've got uh, Mizzou uh, in oh, the middle I'm of that. Oh, sorry. Okay, I get. So that's, not, that's also not a a step over game either. Well, and and what does it tell you that a Florida LSU game is a noon start? When's the last time that ever happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I can't happened. recall. It seems like every so, time I saw those games, I've been in the dark. Yeah, um, you know, so that uh, the mighty have. Uh, I don't. I don't say they've fallen, but they've slipped. Yeah, they, they kind of dropped a little bit. You know, um, Ira, your your boy Scott Frost um, has got uh, UCF at three and two, and and won a big game on the road uh, last week at East Carolina. I think they've. No, I think they've come along a little faster than um, Central Florida uh, college fans thought they would. I mean. Look, the cupboard was bare for Scott Frost. Nobody's going to deny that. Uh, and it takes time. Uh, they they paid a, a a big price last year for that rebuilding. Um, but he never wavered. And now I, I think he's got the kids believing in the direction of the program. Uh, now, look, they're, you know, they're not a top 25 football team by a long shot. Um, you know, uh, are they the fourth, fifth, sixth best team in the state? Okay. But, Joe, it's a start. And they are now respectable. And that's the first step up from despair. So I applaud what Scott Frost is doing in, in Orlando. Um, if he turns that around like it looks like he is, um, that's a vibrant uh, fan base and a big fan base that would get behind that team. Um, Things are looking up in, in, in Central Florida, Joe. Well, they they are, and um, you got to respect uh, what Scott Frost has done there. Now we're we're recording this on Wednesday morning. Uh, there will be an announcement later on t- uh, on Wednesday afternoon of whether UCF will have to reschedule its uh, football game this week with Tulane uh, in Orlando, scheduled for Friday night, and we all know. Um, with uh, Hurricane Matthew out there, uh, Orlando could uh, could take a pretty big wallop uh, from that storm. I would be very surprised uh, if both schools don't err on the side of caution and postpone that game. It uh, it looks like both teams have an open date on November fifth, um, so it would it wouldn't be a, a scheduling nightmare to to just say, look, we're you know the the weather reports are not good, and we're going to go ahead and and, uh, and and do the prudent thing. But uh, you know, back on your point, Ira. Sure, I mean they've the they've Scott Frost done a fine job, and uh, they um, they they need to uh, recruit well, um, but. They've got a lot of uh, pluses over there. They've got a nice on-campus stadium. Uh, they've got uh, some name recognition out there. And if he can get this team uh, uh, to six wins in a bowl game, he, he, he should just be thrilled. Speaking of a bowl game, uh, Sports Illustrated came out with their bowl projections already. Of course. <laughs> For uh, what's coming up, and 
the New Year's Six Bowls, they have the Peach Bowl with Alabama versus Washington. They have the Fiesta Bowl with Ohio State and Clemson. They have the Orange Bowl being Louisville and Tennessee. Cotton Bowl is Houston and Wisconsin. Michigan, Stanford, and the Rose, and the Sugar is Texas A&M and Baylor. By the way, they have uh, the St. Petersburg Bowl nabbing South Florida and Georgia Tech at this point. So if you want to go well, ahead and sure. make your plans, I mean, obviously, Sports <laughs> Illustrated never gets anything wrong, so you might as well go ahead and book your tickets. I, I think South Florida will do a lot better than the St. Petersburg Bowl. And, and, and no yeah. offense meant to the St. Petersburg Bowl, all of whom are very nice people. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we know uh, we we know uh, SI's uh, uh, you know record for uh, accuracy over the right. years, but uh, <laughs> Ohio State Clemson, Joe, if that would ever happen, that uh, that's a blockbuster right there. That that's worthy of a national title game, and uh, right here at Raymond James. Oh, it would be outstanding, and. Um... You know, I, I I find nothing to quarrel with about uh, what looks to be their playoff projections. Um, you know, those those teams look and have the feel uh, of of teams that will be playing, you know, for the right to to be in the national championship game. Washington, what a smackdown last week of Stanford. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. did not see that coming. I'll be honest with you. I'm not saying I didn't think that Washington could win the game, but by that margin, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that really hurt McCaffrey's Heisman chances, guys. Really put a dent in him. Yeah, he didn't see it coming either. So, <laughs> there you go. I'll tell you what, guys, we're getting ready to wrap things up here. Final thoughts on um, today's Sunshine Boys podcast. Let's go to you, Mr. Henderson. You got first up on the final thoughts. Well, uh, my final thoughts are uh, I'm going to drift back to the NFL on this. And uh, if you had forecast four weeks ago, five weeks ago, that the the Bucks would be traveling to Carolina uh, to face a one in three Panthers team who may be without Cam Newton, um, you would have been laughed out of the room. But uh, that's that could be the situation on Monday night. Uh, what a what an audience they'll get for that one. Uh, but uh, the uh, the Bucks, if they could go up there and and somehow come away with a win, that, that they haven't beaten Carolina in a long time. But if they could do that, they would be two and three um, and sort of on the still sort of in the conversation and uh i don't think they will but that is the uh the task ahead of them um and uh so it gives me something to do on monday night i have what you got going uh joe's points right on jim two and three is the number that the bucks needed to get to at the bye because the schedule uh softens out so joe's absolutely mm-hmm. right Tall order. Panthers, Panthers are ornery. I'm going to use that word again, James. Ornery. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've lost their identity a bit. Look, I'm going to finish up. Uh, I'm going to go back to baseball for a minute, Jim. And I'm going to mm-hmm. say that there's a lot of hand-wringing every year, guys. 
about this, you know, one game play-in game. Oh, that's cruel and unusual. That's horrible. How can you ask a team to put their season on the line for one? I'll tell you how you can ask that. Because until a few years ago, they wouldn't have been in the postseason. Um, so they got nothing to complain about. Zero. The Orioles aren't complaining about a one-game playoff. They had their shot. Right. The Giants-Mets loser will have nothing to say, in my opinion. They didn't win their division, and you've got to respect the division winners. And if that means slapping down these teams that didn't win their division, so be it. So for all of you out there that say this one-game play-in, Jim, is, a, is, is ridiculous and absurd, I say bring it on because you're lucky to be in the postseason. You take your chances. You know, Ira, to your point, just ask the four. You know, ask the San Francisco Giants and the Kansas City Royals in the American League. Uh, you know, they both got to the World Series as as teams that uh, you know, right. one way or another, started in the wild card game. So, you know, uh, and remember Oakland. Uh, I'm not sorry. Kansas City was trailing Oakland in uh, in the game and finally came from behind and won. So, yeah, I, look, it's it's. I think it's done a lot for baseball in keeping races alive that may long since have been dead. And I think it's right. keeping interest in the game, and it makes the playoffs far more exciting. And so you have a playing game, and and I don't think anybody. Uh, you know, obviously you're upset that your team didn't make it, but at least your team had a shot to make it. And that's well, really all you can them. ask. Right. And the funny thing was in the Toronto Orioles situation, because they are in the same division, uh, the Orioles record was 9-10 and 10 against the Torontos of Toronto by virtue oh. of beating them one more time, ended up being the, the host of... Um, you know, of the playoff game. So it's that random in that particular situation. So, yeah. And Joe, if the, Joe, if the Orioles were the home team last night, you, you, you probably would have seen Britain in, in, in the ninth, 10th, uh, or 11th. That's a big difference. Big difference. No question about it. Yeah, absolutely. Social media for you, Mr. Henderson. You can find me on Twitter uh, at the initial J Henderson Tampa, T-A-M-P-A. Ira. On Twitter, James, uh, at iKaufman76. Look forward to uh, hearing from folks. Absolutely. And uh, you've been listening to the Sunshine Boys podcast here on SportsTalkFlorida.com and Blog Talk Radio. Until next time, I'm Jim Williams. For Joe Henderson and Ira Kaufman, the Sunshine Boys, you've been listening to the Sunshine Boys podcast right here on sportstalkflorida.com and blog talk radio. Take care.